Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures. Tonight, episode, I just said it, 103. And um, 103, we're going to kind of get, uh, it's titled Back to Basics. I'm going to let you take it here, Ben. I'm going to do our advertising. You get the ball rolling. I'll jump right back in. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Uh, 103, I'm going to throw this out. You don't have to respond, Robert. But 103 is one episode before our two-year anniversary, which is kind of exciting for us. Uh, so I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, so this episode, we're going to really kind of get, like I said, really back to the basics. We're, we're really talking about people who are starting out or having to start fresh. So if you've lost all your gear, you have minimum amount of, uh, of resources, what can you do? What do you need to really get going to get camping, getting out there? And I really don't care what your situation for this is. It can be some pretty minor uh, things, some pretty major things. But if you ha you're getting into this with minimal resources, you're a young fellow just starting out, no real money. You're, you're an older fellow that just, you know, you lost everything or, or a single lady. It doesn't really matter. You're starting fresh. This, this is our goal. Um, so... What I'm thinking about is, again, somebody with very limited finances, potentially a bit of time. Because if you don't have the finance, you can often offset this with time if you have, the, have that as sort of a resource. Um, and I am just going to make sure I'm not freezing. So I'm looking for our feed, which has not shown up yet. Uh, we are going live, so it should be up there. You're not freezing on my end anyway. Perfect. Looks good. Uh, when my notifications come through and stuff, it sometimes just tweaks my cam. Mm. So, anyways, looking good from uh, from this view. Uh, yeah. So this this is the gist of it. Is what 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 are the things you absolutely need to do? What would you do to get this stuff? Where can you find this this stuff? What are things that you would probably want to buy new? What are things you can get used? What are things you can salvage? What are things you need to get out and sort of do some backwoods survival camping, uh, bushcrafting type stuff? Um, so this isn't going to be our high-end, expensive, ultralight stuff necessarily. This is is the bare bones, basic stuff, and anything after this becomes the nice to haves. And there's always, I think, there's always room for the nice to haves. This is where what we we build on to make make ourselves from surviving to comfortable uh, and it's always a fun and exciting to, to, to get into those but this is looking at the basic things what do you need to get out there and 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 be okay and not the word i want to use is not die slowly so if either you're you're uh i think it's the what it beardsman called it one time he said if you're you're either thriving or you're dying and, and there's not much room in, the betwe in between. Uh, the fact is, if you're out there and you're losing weight and you're, you're getting colder every day and you're, you're just delaying the inevitable, what you want to do is get out there and, and at least maintain, if not maybe gain some weight, uh, gain the knowledge, get more comfortable, and just to show that you're doing better. And to do that is it's a hard skill in the woods. So, what are the things we want to start out with to give ourselves the best chance to do that? Um, 
And I think the best place to start, if you want to say something. No, I was just going to say, uh, now that I'm done, I want to chime in a little bit and say, uh, when you mentioned the topic, I thought it was really good because honestly, it's uh, in a lot of our last episodes and things like that, and recent episodes, I guess, more specifically, uh, we have talked about some higher end items. We have talked about some of the nicer gear and niceties and things like that. And I really enjoy this because we do get the question a lot, or at least I do. Uh, I'm sure you do as well, Ben. What do you need to get going? What is a good way to get going? Uh, what should I look for when I'm getting going? Because especially with COVID and stuff like that floating around here, I know we hark on that a lot, but it is uh, people are getting interested to get back in the woods because it's one of those things you can do in small groups, but you're still outside. You're not confined in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and I've seen some interesting posts on the different sites because I, I, I monitor a lot of sites and, I, and sometimes I don't really respond to them because I don't feel I have enough to add or, or we're going to discuss it here and hopefully the people that really need this information are looking at places like us. Um, but you can get lost in some of these these sites. Um, but I, I've seen posts of people saying, like, I'm just getting into this. Why do I need? And it's really interesting because you see people coming out and saying, well, you need the, the Pomali stove and you need the, the Nortent tent and you need this this uh this device and that device and i'm looking at it and i'm like you don't have ten thousand dollars set aside you're not getting all this gear and no and that's a giant deterrent for people is when they start going on start doing the researching they do get these look and i'm guilty off it too i mean i you know as well as most anybody out there that knows me at all i'm all about budget because you know we both have families we both have lives we have other stuff going on in the background we don't have these massive amounts of money to dump on top end gear would we love to absolutely everybody would absolutely love to but it's not necessarily needed per se no uh, and and all those all of these expensive items and 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 i have to say like as it gets more expensive to me you're kind of getting some diminishing returns. Uh, yes, it's more comfortable. Yes, it's lighter. Yes, it's more easy. But in the end, the difference it makes, you end up paying a lot more for a little bit more of an advantage. The The fact is uh, a $1,000 tent isn't usually, in my opinion, in my experience, 10 times better than a $100 tent. No. Right? It's not keeping you 10 times warmer. It's not keeping you 10 times drier. It's not, you know, generally the $100 tent is still going to keep you about as warm. It's still going to keep the water off you. The advantages become with maybe the durability, uh, the, the likelihood that it's going to leak less or it's going to last longer before it might leak or require repairs or maintenance. Uh, it weighs less. It packs down better. These are all awesome things. And like we talked about, bulk is, is our enemy. But when you're doing it cheap and you're doing something maybe long term, bulk becomes a lot less of an issue and it's affordability and getting out there. So to start off with, if I'm doing dirt cheap, I have to do this and, and maybe it's a survival situation. I'm not moving every day. I'm looking to find a place to set up and I want to set something up that I can survive in. Uh, so we're talking about maybe a single location or maybe just a couple locations you're going to move back and forth between. So in this case, I'm looking, because it's cheaper and, e and easier in a lot of ways, I would potentially be looking at a semi-permanent structure. Hmm. And, uh, and with, oh, sorry, go ahead, Ben. As I say, with a semi-permanent structure, I can afford to go with heavier, bigger materials or, or, or 
things that take some time to assemble. So. And yeah, the only thing I was going to add on that is where it is a semi-permanent structure, another thing that'll help you, and I don't want to say get away with cheaper stuff, but allow you to save money is a little bit of site prep and things like that too. If you do have the availability to scout the area a little bit, really look where you want to set up. If it is going to be semi-permanent, you can take a lot of natural laying things uh, that'll help you gain a little bit, like um, a little extra shelter from wind. Uh, don't you know build in a divot so you don't have to worry about uh, you know resting in water. Have some natural drainage in there. You might have some natural reflectors. There's a lot of things you can look for that cost you absolutely nothing, or things you can potentially make if you have the availability to. Once again, we're not condoning going out there and cutting a bunch of living trees and stuff like that. We don't want to damage the woods. But if you have the availability to, like in the natural area, to potentially move some deadfall. Um, potentially some stones or something like that. That's not going to really be too destructive, but really help you achieve your goals um, off making whatever you come up with for your structure last longer without costing you a lot of money. So the fact is a structure, if it's semi-permanent and we're looking at, at trying to keep yourself warm and comfortable and secure, uh, to me, the thing I fall back on is is, is a natural structure. Uh, the fact is, a good solid uh, natural structure can be warmer than a, than a very expensive tent. Um, no, true. Get, um, and I mean, especially. If, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but just add in on that. If it's, uh, I'm thinking like a wiki upper TP style, something like that. These are traditional structures that have proven. You can stay in them year-round, and as long as they're maintained and properly constructed, um, will keep you safe from the elements and give you a fairly good night's sleep and keep you warm. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's sort of what was going on in my mind when I'm thinking about this, is is these type of structures uh, with, you know, 12 inches, 2 feet of, of natural materials, you know, leaves, moss, uh, basic debris piled around, uh, you're going to get a good insulating value and you want to boost that. There are free items, man-made items that you can obtain. Um, and, and I have to use this word loosely. Um, uh, blue tarps, uh, there's tarps everywhere. And if you even walk ditches, you'll find them. Uh, Tyvek, if you go near construction sites, there's oftentimes loose pieces of Tyvek blowing around. Uh, drop cloths, uh, plastic go behind almost any store and you can probably pick up more than you can carry of this these type of items uh and, and nobody's going to care nobody's going to even notice you took it and frankly you may even be cleaning stuff up <laughs> repurposing stuff that was destined for the landfill so you add that on say the inside of your structure and then put your dead your 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 debris over that and then if you wrap it again with plastic you got that two layers you're you're actually going to end up with a, a frightfully good insulating value. No, hundred percent. And I guess just to clear this up, because I can hear some of the eye rolling going on, we're not meaning every single time that you run out to a different location and set up that you should be doing these things. 
once again, semi-permanent kind of structure to get you out into the woods. Because a lot of people starting out, uh, and I know I was this way, I had an area I liked to go to and frequent because it was easily accessible to me. Uh, I knew it was away from people and it gave me a spot where I felt comfortable to practice and try my skills. And if I had a project on the go, I could leave it there. No, it's not going to be destroyed because once again, private area, whatever the case may be. Uh, and if I came back, I could continue developing them skills. Yeah. And if you're going to have, if you have to do this, I mean, I'm picturing like a survival situation. Like I said, maybe you're homeless. Maybe you're, there's various reasons you end mm. up in a situation. Like just, you're going to go a little off the boot beaten trail. You're going to go somewhere that's, you know, civilization, quote unquote, there for sure, is accessible. You can get to it because the fact is you can get a lot of stuff from where people are and you're going to need those resources. But you want to be far enough away that you're not going to get stumbled upon on a regular basis because that's just attracting uh, a nuisance that you may not want to deal with. Uh, it, it may mean that you're going to get sort of evicted, that you're going to get harassed at least. You may get your stuff damaged or broken because some people just won't understand. So there is, this is on the shady side of, of but this is the FYI part of Atlantic bushcraft. Not that we're condoning any of the activities, but in this situation, you find yourself in this predicament. Uh, helpful hints. <laughs> so there's there's a structure. That's what I would do. Like if I'm completely down on it, I lost my job. I got nowhere to live. I'm gonna decide. And I, and I, and and this has been joked about with me. And I and I'm not sure. You know, if if I lost everything, what would I do? I probably would go live in the woods, honestly. Like that's that's something that I've kind of convinced myself of. Uh, so if if I ended up in a place where I've just kind of lost absolutely everything, I'm going to disappear. That is probably what I would do. I would go relatively deep in the woods where within a day or so I can get back to to get some stuff when I need it. But I'm going to be gone where people generally wouldn't find me. I would set up a semi-permanent structure and I would sort of live out of that. Um, and that's not going to cost me much. It's going to take me time. It's, it's not going to be an overnight build. It's going to take me two or three days. Hey, Alex, just while you jumped in there, buddy, just want to let you know your T-shirt is in the mail. Congratulations once again. Oh, yeah, it's perfect. Uh, so, yeah. and And honestly... I would like to say I would probably uh, disappear into the woods as well. I mean, I, it's all going to be a case of circumstance, I assume, and what the girls want to do, what they let me do, what I had, what I didn't have. Uh, but if I had nothing, if it was just lone old Rob, lost everything, chances are, yeah. Because, I mean, once again, time is going to be the big thing that you would need to accomplish some of this stuff. And hopefully, well, not hopefully, in that situation, you are definitely going to have some time on your hands. The only thing you have is time, really. Like, you have little to no resources, uh, but you do have the time. So the, that's the... But then there are a few things that I think I, I would put at a high, high-value items, th items that I would possibly invest the bit of resources I have into getting. Um, and, and one of those things for me would be to build that shelter, I'm going to need some kind of tools uh knives axes rope uh the rope you can kind of get you there's you can make make rope or you can you can obtain uh rope from various locations uh relatively but a decent knife or axe you may end up having to buy this i would probably try thrift stores uh 
places like that. Um, you I'm, can get a chef's type knife at, at a thrift store for three or four bucks. I was just going to say Value Village, the one locally anyway here. Um, I frequently see decent knives that would uh, work as a decent outing knife you know what i mean is it the best survival knife on the planet or the best bushcrafting knife on the planet no but we're not looking for that kind of stuff we're looking for something that's going to function that has got a half decent spine on it a full tang not uh, a fillet knife although that has its use don't get me wrong but something that's going to be good decent you're going to take it into the woods it's going to be able to do some work you can find that literally at a value village price point right in between three to six dollars you know what i mean uh, yeah. It takes time and calories to build a good shelter. And that's a that's a real good point there, too, Dave. Um, we didn't really mention food a lot in this. Uh, my two cents on that, that's kind of a whole other topic. Uh, we may lightly brush on, or at least I'm going to lightly brush on it, but food in a situation like this is kind of something that's going to take you a little deeper down the rabbit hole. Uh, what's your thoughts there, Ben? Yeah, that, that would be a whole episode for sure. Um and there's a lot of stuff we're talking limited resources. So we do assume that this, this individual has some ability to, to, to purchase food, uh, shelter and, and, and other supplies, maybe not so much, or you can scavenge it. Uh, you know, you can fish, you can hunt, you can set some traps. Uh, if you know what you're doing, like there's a lot of mushrooms and, and other edibles out there that you can, you can harvest that will give you calories. Uh, it's going to, um, it's going to uh, definitely uh, affect this. Um, but so, yeah, I want to get a, a bit away from food right now. Anyways, this is talking about the supplies you need over and above that. Um, so like we talked, you can get the tools, a good knife. Uh, if I had to buy new, probably end up getting a more knife because I don't know if I could find a better one. And we've said that in the past, and I mean, you're a big preacher for them, uh, Ben, and if more is out there listening, we plug your products all the time. We'd be appreciative. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> shameless plug. Uh, for the price, <laughs> for the price of Amora, you can't beat them, in all honesty. So if you're looking for, oh, what's a brand name? What do I need? Grab a Amora knife. You're not going to go wrong. Is it the best knife? No. Is it the worst knife? No. Is it a great knife? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I mentioned in the machete or saw or saw. Yeah. So machetes would be difficult to get at in in our thrift stores around here. Although I have seen them occasionally. Yeah, the ones that I don't know about everywhere. The ones here, not the best quality. They're they're a lot like the. Um, and I don't want to throw brand names out, but they're like the the super survival zombie apocalypse extra special quality kind of stuff here not uh is it neat to look at yeah is it a great gift for somebody um that likes Bam. to decorate their walls yes is it great to take out in the woods and try and survive off it in my experience not so much no um but you can pick a lot of this stuff up and and honestly just keep an eye on garbage day it's surprising what people throw out uh people throw out axes and saws all the time uh knives maybe not so much but they do uh it, it really is it's somebody loses one knife from a set they'll throw the whole set out sometimes like you, you can keep your eye open you can pick this up dirt cheap the other thing i would be highly looking for in a long-term survival situation cast iron pots and pans mm. 
and I was uh, something I want to add into this, and I'm sure you thought about it as well. Flea markets. I have gone into a flea market with twenty dollars and come out with basically everything I needed to go into the woods for like a week. Just picking up stuff for myself. I've gotten a saw. I've gotten an axe head. No handle, but I mean, if you have the time, you can manufacture a make-do axe handle in the woods. I've gotten a knife. Uh, I've ended up with some sort of shelter. I think it was just a cheap tent that was, you know, I can't remember what was wrong with it. It had a tiny hole in one of the windows or something like that. But I mean, for a one night stay, definitely work. Or I could have traded that like flea markets are your friend. You're going to find a lot of good stuff there. Real cheap prices. You may need to do a little tinkering with it, but once again, you're going to have some time on your hands. Yeah. Um, for sure. Um, the next big thing, so now you've, if you've got your shelter, you have the tools to make the shelter. Uh, we have something to cook on, which, I mean, obviously we're going to be using fire in this. You guys out there, uh, this is what it did to me before. It froze up on one little section, but everybody still said we were broadcasting fine. It's still saying the stream is fine, too. Uh, can somebody update me if we're coming through all right? It looks good now. I don't know what's going on. Uh, bit rate's fine. Anyway, um, continue on, Ben. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so what was I saying? We got our tools. We got our pots and, and pans. The next big thing I would be looking at is your sleep system. Because hmm. um, like I said, we're not looking at, at, at gas-powered or different types of stoves. We're looking at the things we can afford and we know are going to be – you can maintain. So uh, – Let's say, but okay now, perfect. Okay. Um, so I would be looking at uh, the next thing is uh, sleep systems. And you have to be really open uh, when you're doing this sort of thing. Uh, when you go into a flea market, you go into a, a thrift store, you can't go in and say, I'm looking for a brown wool blanket. That's what I want. Nothing else will do because you're never going to find that one item. But you might find a super good uh, sleeping bag. You may find a down sleeping bag if you're in there looking for a wool blanket. Surprisingly, when you're looking for one thing, you often find something else. Sometimes something better than what you expected. But I would be looking for uh, a decent sleeping bag or good wool blankets would be the two things that would be high on my list in this situation. These are items that are going to give me good value and uh, really going to make the nights a hell of a lot easier. No, for sure. And even if you don't end up with a um, really good sleeping bag, you end up with just some blankets. I mean, there's things you can do inside your shelter that's going to, once again, um, buff your sleep system to ensure, one, you're comfortable, two, you're warm. And that's going to be like properly prepare your sleep, your sleep area. Um, kind of the same thing. Everybody knows cold air sinks. So if you can get yourself off the ground, be it by, if you have the time, build a raised bed. Uh, even if you build a raised bed, you should put some boughs or some dried grass or something like that to give you an insulating layer underneath you. It'll keep you drier. It's going to add some thermal value. Uh, it's going to make it more comfortable. If you have the time, these seem like tedious things until you've been sleeping for like a week on the ground with nothing but a blanket covering you. And then all of a sudden, all this stuff really starts making a lot more sense for long-term um, outing, e even camping. Uh, it makes long-term sense to have a comfortable night's sleep. If you're not getting a decent night's sleep, if you're kind of cold, uh, if you're laying right on the ground, you get damp, it seeps in, it really sucks everything out of you. 
for the for the the day when you try and you know get the best of your uh, tasks accomplished. So it does take a few minutes. Uh, it is time and calorie generated, but it's one of those things for me in this situation would be fairly high up on the list to go with my sleep system, uh, either boxed in bed, raised bed, something to give me a better night's sleep and rejuvenate all those, all that energy I'm expelling out during the day. The blue foam mats that you get from Walmart and anywhere else that are dirt cheap and, and super lightweight, um, you often find those and even, uh, down from that but it, often i see in the flea markets and stuff are like yoga bl uh, mats and stuff i mean there's not a ton of insulation but that's a couple of those with some some boughs or something in between them really going to get you off the ground and give you some protection uh i see dave's put, posted here three or four wool sweaters cheap sewed them into a blanket uh if you can find the wool blanket uh, sweaters in our stores they are great yeah, because Ben and I are usually traveling around buying all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, if you can find a good, because I've been looking for a good wool sweater, and I found a lot of cotton sweaters mm -hmm. and, and polyester sweaters and rain. Like I'm finding a lot of stuff. I'm finding very little that's actually wool, uh, but you do find the wool blankets. Uh, don't know what you're looking for though, and you can't find a tag. It can be tricky. Uh, Suppose can't actually hear you unless my headphones are on, but that that's a that's a thrift shop find. It's uh, one of the old Swiss wools. Oh, awesome! I use it in my office couch when sometimes I nod off. <laughs> but but yeah, that that's a thrift store find. So they are out there. Uh, sometimes it is like finding a needle in a haystack, and something else. Um, that works really well. And I have done this is, uh, just straight up styrofoam. It's not great, but it offers a ton of thermal value. If you can get it under you with a little bit on top of it, man, you can like, it's, it's warm. Oh, it's, it's awesome. I, and I thought about that it's, again, like when I mentioned hanging out around a couple of construction sites where they're building a house or something, you see this stuff blown around all the time. Like a spare sheet of that stuff is often found. And I found a ton of like styrofoam blocks and, and, and sheets in ditches and stuff driving down the road. I'm looking in, I'm like, Holy, anyone see that? And you, you can stop and pick this stuff up. Nobody cares. I kid and, you not. There was somebody doing a basement and they had eight inch thick styrofoam. It was four by four sheets, eight inches thick. And wow. I got a couple of those, uh, up until my house burnt in America mesh. And then I lost all of it. But I mean, you want to talk about something that was absolutely fantastic for like our value. Like you could set that on anything and it, the cold was not seeping through. So, I mean, styrofoam's not something to pass up if you really want to get out there and it's kind of cold out. It is, it offers a great uh, vapor barrier because it's styrofoam, moisture doesn't come through it. And it's, like I said, it, it basically eliminates a lot of your cold. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. So tons of options out there. None of this stuff costs anything. Like I would bet that everything we've spoken for here so far, uh, it, that you can't pick up for free. You're talking pocket change for most people, like under 20 bucks uh, to pick up uh, a couple of cast iron frying pans. If you can find like a Dutch oven, like you're set. Like that's the only tool pot you're going to need for this shelter. You can fry in it. You can bake in it. You can boil in it. You can, you can do it huge one pot meals, you know, you find the food, you can put in it and it, it'll cook and no worries about warping or 
or anything. You could throw coals over it. It's it's awesome. So that would be like that would be the the ultimate find for me would be a great cast iron Dutch oven. An absolute worst case scenario. Uh, crappy tire puts those things on sale. I'm I'm thinking more like the ten inch pan. I think I picked yeah. mine up for eighteen ninety nine. Yeah. And I mean, is yeah. it the best quality cast iron frying pan? Absolutely not. Is it the worst? Absolutely not. I mean, after I took it and reseasoned it, I use it now and I love it. It's still a great cast iron frying pan. You can buy a lid for it, which I think is also $20. And every now and then you can find the little, um, they call them cast iron pots, but it's literally a Dutch oven. It's a pot with a lid and uh, they're only like 30 bucks on sale at Canadian Tire. So is it free? Absolutely not. But for 30 bucks and it's a cook system that's basically never going to let you down as long as you upkeep it. If you had to spend money, you know that possibility is there. So those sets that you say sell for 30 bucks, the little tiny one, it's like, I mean, it's not big at all. It probably holds half a liter of water. Uh, and they, they, I think they're way overpriced. When they first came out, they sold them all for $9.99. Yeah. Uh, originally, cast iron was not that expensive because they never thought it would catch on. But a few years ago, they released a whole line of these little ones, and I have almost every one they sold downstairs. They had a panini press. They had a little frying oh, I pan. I remember the panini presses, yeah. And the panini press was big enough to hold one slice of bread, and it had, like, the plate. And you, you heat it all up. You take the top off. You put your bread in there. You lay it down, and you cook it all in one shot. And I bought all that stuff because it all went on sale for nine ninety nine, and then later on I went back and they were all twenty five, thirty five bucks. Oh yeah, I was gonna say the cast iron frying pan right now on full price is like sixty bucks or something ridiculous. So, uh, uh, those those kits I got there for a single a single individual. I was gonna say single man, single individual. It doesn't matter, you know, male, female, whatever you want. It's it doesn't matter. One person can feed themselves on these little sets, and they would be awesome. Uh, and Dave made a good point there too. Garbage bags full of leaves uh, is real comfortable. And I mean, that does make a half decent mattress. Uh, the only thing with that, and honestly still better than sleeping on the, the ground either way, is plastic directly against your skin uh, sometimes give you that kind of damp, clammy feeling. So if you have the blanket, kind of put a little under your end over you. And I mean, that is going to make you a snazzy night's sleep. Oh, yeah. two, two wool blankets would be perfect for that. Put one under you, one over the top of you. And then roll up the edges so you got that 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 uh, buffer on your side, and you're going to sleep comfy. Golden um, pony boy, if we don't get pulled for making that reference. But anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean, the big area for me in doing this, I think we just covered it. It's shelter and sleep. Those are the two big ones I see that are going to either make or break your long-term stay. Uh, off-grid living or long-term camping or whatever you want to call it. If you don't have a decent shelter to keep the elements out and a decent sleep system to keep you warm and keep you, um, you know, non-exhausted, it's not going to work out well. So if you find yourself in a situation like this, that's, once again, personal opinion. That's where you should concentrate a lot of your first day thought. Uh, if you throw something together for the first night, that's great. But if you are genuinely looking long-term, you're going to have to start thinking about these things we've been talking about. What are you going to build for that shelter? Where are you going to build that shelter? And uh, as we said, the location, like not in dips, good drainage, take wind direction and all of this stuff. It's really worth sitting down and taking a really good thought about it. Not just, oh, I'll fire something together and hope for the best. Like, no, take a second, slow down, 
think about it and really put some consideration into it because you don't you may not get the chance to do it twice depending on where you are what time of year it is and the resources you have available to you yeah so sort of the to sort of bring this thing all around earlier i threw in the comments uh to uh really big monkey how he sort of inspired this particular show and i was watching one of his shows and i think it was five tips or tips to a new camper and uh he threw it out to uh, uh, an acquaintance of ours friend uh is wayne Colcraven. was the challenge he threw out uh but the neat thing he said there that, that sort of reminded me was like how to set up your 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 shelter and it was a mention of something i believe along the lines of lining up your wind correctly to your shelter and if you do it wrong if you put say the a lean-to shelter with the wind to the back it can still cause that turbulence when it comes over the top and pull the smoke and stuff into your uh, into your shelter and you mention again here you know building your campsite right so if you have limited resources and you're building these things you really want to put a lot of thought into how you put it all together so you're getting the most efficiency out of it because all this stuff takes a ton of effort picking up the rock no, I was going to say, while we're on the topic, uh, quickly, let's say five minutes or less, let's talk about some of the things you actually should look for. And the, the ones that I keep preaching on is drainage and stuff like that. So what's your thoughts? What's important to look for in a semi-permanent shelter location? And like I said, I'm looking at our time. We got five minutes starting now. Okay. Again, you're 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 100 right. You want to set up in a place where the, the the weather isn't going to be a huge problem. So decent drainage. You don't want water to be pooling where you're too. You're going to want to be protected from the wind, uh, especially if the wind, high winds and stuff are coming, and and they are going to come anywhere you go. Like there are storms and stuff, so you want to keep that. I would be looking for something with a lot of natural shelter and stuff that's not going to blow down on me. So I'd be looking for something maybe some larger rocks and stuff. Um, the shelter are you going to want to be set up close enough to water that you can get water setting up miles away from good water supply is is is, is a waste of time and energy um so those are my quick things what are yours uh much like yours you, you definitely want somewhere that's not going to be in a low hollow uh not only for the water accumulating effect but cold air drops so if you're in the fall winter areas like that it's going to be colder in a hollow but you don't necessarily want to be on top of the hill either that's going to give you uh, a lot of wind and a lot of rawness like that so you need to try and find a balance there where you're going to have proper drainage away you're not sitting in any kind of little hollow where the 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 air is going to pool below you and get you cold. Uh, but you also want to sit on ground that's not going to be, you know, like you don't want to set up on a rock quarry. Uh, it sounds great in theory, great drainage, but it's going to be hard for you to function inside your shelter. So you kind of need to find that out too. And sometimes you may have to doctor your area, so to speak. You'll find an area that's good, except for a few little things. Take into consideration, is it easier to fix those things or move on and look for a better place? Because sometimes you may not be able to find a better place when it comes to the natural wind direction, which as we covered, you don't want directly at your front or back. You kind of want it to come over your side or slightly at an angle so you don't get that turbulence and blowing the smoke back into your shelter. Uh, if you're looking at potentially making a shelter where you're taking fire inside, that might give you something else to think about. You may want to look for something that is potentially a little rockier in one spot so you can build that fire inside, but now you have to think about how you're going to build the shelter. Uh, and next on that is what kind of shelter are you going to build? There is lots of shelters you can build. Uh, how long are you going to be there? You can look at like lean-to shelters, debris shelters, wiki-ups, uh, TP style. Like there's a bunch out there and I do encourage everybody out 
there to uh, do a little bit of investigation, see what works for you. There's uh, different things work in different areas, depending on what materials you have around you. So think about the, uh, the area where you're going to build your shelter, the type of shelter you're going to build, the direction the wind is coming in around. And then, as Ben said, you are going to want to look for water. You don't want to be traveling a day and a half to get a drink of water. Uh, it's not going to realistically last for you long term. Um, and the other thing is ease of getting back out if that is your, you know, your plan. If you were going to go back into civilization at some point, you don't want to have to climb up and down a cliff every time you do that because, uh, whatever you bring in now has to go up and down that plus every time you do that you are potentially susceptible to some sort of injury that's going to cause you you know to maybe not be able to come back out or worse yet you're going to be injured and nobody's going to be able to find you so th those are my quick ones right off the hop the only thing i wanted to add is plentiful resources so if you go to a spot that has no resources so like a barren area with you're fading out, Ben. What happened to you, bud? You froze up. Come back. I can't do this alone. Uh, so, yeah, while Ben tries to get himself back on, uh, a good point he had there was the resource thing. You want to make sure that everything you're going to need to do uh, hopefully can be supported in the area you're in. If you're looking for big timber... Are you back there now, Ben? I see you moving again. Yeah. Okay, right. continue on. I want that. I don't know where I got cut off, but I was saying what you want to do is find a place with resources. So trees, food, wildlife, just make sure that there's something. It's going to provide you with the things you need to survive. Uh, going to a spot, uh, I picture, we went to Dover Hills last year, me and, and, and Lone Wolf 902, and it was a spot with virtually no resources. It's gorgeous, but no resources, like very little to survive. On. You want to avoid something like that. Perfect. And we managed to do all that in four minutes. Still had a minute Sweet. left over. So, uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah. Well, I mean, see, when we put our mind to it, we can actually get some stuff out in a pretty good amount of time. Uh, for everybody out there that didn't believe it could be done, we just proved it could be. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. So, that's kind of what to look for for shelter. Uh, and the area in and around your shelter. And then, once again, your sleep systems. We talked about that. Get yourself off the ground. Get up a little higher. And, okay, uh, let's do like a minute this time. Cause it's only going to be bullet form. What are some of the things you can do to get yourself off the ground? And I mentioned building spruce boughs up. That's great. If you're in a fir forest, what can you do if you're not around that availability, Ben? Uh, if you have trees, even just building a platform that gets you off the ground and then just lining that with say grass reeds, uh, leaves, even anything to get you off. Somebody mentioned a garbage bag full of leaves. Anything that you can get that's basically light and fluffy that's going to give you an insulation value underneath and some cushion is going to keep you a lot more comfortable. Uh, no, for avoid... sure. And uh, the only one I wanted to add in on that while we're on the topic is moss is good if it's dry. Don't bring damp moss. You're going to get wet. <laughs> Seems like a no-brainer, but I see it a lot. Moss holds more than its own weight in water. <laughs> exactly you know what I mean? it's 90 percent water when you pick up moss but once it's dry you're not going to have a lot of volume but moss is a great insulator it's great to line your 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 walls and stuff with uh but uh sticking it underneath you once you compress it it's like a sponge it will release a lot of water um so yeah you no know, i think nope go ahead i think that's that's the sh the the sleep system again 
don't go into something thinking I need to get product A or item A. Keep an open mind because with with low budget, being set on one thing is is really going to be hard. But keeping an open mind and thinking how can I use this in in a different means uh, means you can oftentimes find what you want. No, creativity is key. Um, and as Ben said, don't get don't get hooked into the this one item. This is the greatest item you'll ever need to go out in the woods. Don't you kind of get a step away from that mentality uh, if you don't have the freedom to chase that mentality. And that's, you know, kind of getting back to our point here. So we talked about shelter. We talked about sleeping. We already mentioned we're kind of going to avoid food just specifically for this episode because that could be a whole other episode. And then we're really going to start crossing the lines of uh, gray areas and ethical and legal and stuff like that. So maybe some other day, uh, <laughs> but not right now. But, uh, and it, it's been said in the comments there, and we have mentioned it, if you are going to spend money, tools is probably where you are going to have to drop the coin. Uh, most tools can't easily be replicated. Uh, and that's the thing. And we already mentioned, you can go to flea markets, thrift stores, stuff like that. So what are the big tools you would want to take with you, Ben? Axe saw knife are the three major ones to me. There's, there's no question that those are our tools I would want uh, with me. Uh, going past that, I mean, you could potentially have a hammer. I don't think it's needed. I'm not planning on buying a ton of nails and bringing it in with me. Um, if you're getting into hunting, maybe a tool, uh, a bow would be really good. This is something that's, you know, generally reusable and you can make arrows if you had to. Uh, so that, that's, a, that's a great tool. Uh, beyond that, uh, snare wire uh, mm. would be uh, a tool with almost infinite uses. Uh, obviously, the, the snare, but you can also secure your, your structure with it. You can repair gear with it. There's a ton of stuff you can do with that. Uh, and I call that a tool because it can be used for so many things. Mm -hmm. um, and much like yourself, that those were the three big ones for me. It's your three cutting instruments. Saw... Um, knife and axe. Whoa, did I ever stumble on that one? So yeah, those three there, those are going to be the hardest to reproduce in the wild. Uh, not that you can't make stone axe. We've seen it done. Anybody that uh, frequents YouTube, check out like primitive technology, stuff like that. They do make stone axe. Uh, they work. The problem with them is um, it takes so much more labor to use an item like that than it would just to hopefully be able to pick up a uh, fairly cheap axe head. And even if you had to make the handle in the woods, like I mentioned earlier, that's still better than potentially making the entire stone axe out there. If you have nothing but, don't get me wrong, a stone axe is better than beating on it with your fist. But, I mean, if you can make the jump to steel, that's going to be one of the places to do it. Knife, invaluable. It's We don't have flint or anything here that's really going to make you a decent stone knife anyway. You can kind of make some out of quartz. But quartz yeah. is so flaky and crystally, like they don't last long. Your, your knife's going to be like this long. But you know what I mean? It's just not realistically going to work. I do see some people mentioning like an auger and all or something like that in the sides. Those are um, good items to have. Uh, personal opinion, nothing more. Those are kind of the uh, nice to haves uh, in, in my mind because uh, I, I love the idea of like, uh, I think it's called a, a scotch bit or a. What are, what are those called? Um, yeah, it's, it's essentially going to be your your auger bit and T handle. Yeah, but it's this. I think it's Scotch, Scotch uh, drill or whatever. It's Scotch eye drill bit. Something. Like, anyway, <laughs> you, 
we talked about making them at one point. Uh, and if if you're going to flea markets, if you're going to thrift stores, you can often find the auger bits relatively easy. And you can definitely find a, a, a ring you can use. The problem is with limited resources, you're not going to weld them together. And those are really popular right now. Like a lot of bushcrafters are using those that system. So uh, you may not find it, but if you can find a guy who can weld, it probably wouldn't cost you much for the amount of effort it's going to take to get someone to, to, to weld an auger bit to a ring. And you could definitely, you know, for five, 10 bucks, have a, an awesome tool that's going to give you. And, and that's really... where it falls into the nice to have for me is it's scotch eyed auger bit. Um, that's, it's a nice tool because it's going to make you a lot of other tools. It's going to make things so much easier for you. Do you need all those things to survive? No. Is it going to make things infinitely better? Potentially. Because, I mean, if you got the auger bit, you can make a decent table. Because now you can drill holes to make decent lags. Uh, you can peg things together. You're going to be able to make more advanced structures and tools and stuff like that. Um, so it is definitely way up there on the nice-to-have items, for sure. The all... Uh, you can stitch birch bark, um, leather, hide, whatever you want to find. You can stitch all that stuff together using that to make the hole. You, there's a lot of other tools and stuff you can use. If you can come across a really good Swiss Army knife. Uh, yeah, also, ultimately, that's a great knife, too, uh, next to the Mora. If you compare those two up, you're laughing. Yeah. Uh, things like all that comes on them. I, I have one that has like the sharper edge that you definitely can drill a hole with. It's, it's as, almost as good as a small drill. Uh, corkscrew comes in surprisingly handy. The can opener uh, saves you more than I from trying to open cans. I guarantee you that is, is a tool worth having. And a, what oftentimes a tool that on my knives that when I don't have, I really miss is scissors. Uh, it comes down to a, a hygiene item like you can trim up your nails if you have to especially if you have a broken nail where you work and you can fix that quickly uh you can fix a piece of clothing with zip with, with the scissors you can you can cut a patch you can make repairs you can stop rips from getting worse there's so much you can do with these little tools any multi-tool gerber leatherman mm -hmm. uh a lot of the no-name ones honestly when you get them that they're a pair of pliers, uh, extremely useful. Uh, tweezers to get splinters and things out. Uh, so, so handy. So multi-tool, you can get one. I would definitely take a multi-tool. If I could only have one knife, it's going to be some kind of multi-tool. If that's it, if I'm limited there, I would take a decent multi-tool over one big knife. And I was going to say a multi-tool is going to be super high up or Swiss Army knife or something like that on those nice to haves. And honestly, it's probably going to be the highest up next to the, you know, the three main cutters uh, being a decent knife, axe and saw once again. Uh, I carry Swiss Army knife every day. As you can see, uh, Ben's everyday carry is much the same. Uh, I carry a Leatherman around, not so much in my pockets, but it's always very close to me in all honesty. I don't know. My wife's in the room. She'll probably bat me up on this. I don't know if I've ever been more than a few hours with that at her hand. <laughs> so, uh, and Swiss Army is generally what I get it, every now and then. This is one of these thrift hints. A lot of times, uh, airports and other places do like a flea market once a year or once every couple of years. And Swiss Army knives are probably the most confiscated thing in these. And when 
whenever we find out there's one of these sales, we go up and with a handful of cash, like 10, 15 bucks, you can leave with all the knives you can carry with two hands, right? And it's awesome. Two drill bit shape at the end. Hey, that's actually a pretty good idea. So Dave, uh, Real Big Monkey one. I ground the end of my file on my multi tool into a drill bit shaped end, which would work great for doing like smaller holes and stuff like that. And and one of the things I was going to mention when it came to an all, is uh, depending on what you're trying to all together, like birch bark and stuff like that. I have seen uh, bone replicas uh, with marginal success. But once again, it's one of those things, if you can get it in steel, it's just so much easier. You know what I mean? So I, I can hear a lot of people saying, well, I can make that. Oh, I can make that. Oh, I can make that. 100%. We're not telling you not to make it. We're saying if you have the availability, steel is always going to uh, surpass your expectations against anything that you're going to be able to construct naturally in the woods. I know that's a pretty broad stroke of a brush, but generally it holds true. No, it... Yeah, if you make your all out of a, a thorn or a piece of bone or a claw that you manage to pick up, it's going to work. It's going to work for probably a while, but at some point it's going to fail. And generally much earlier than your, your metal version of it would have been. And you can put a better edge generally onto the, uh, uh, the steel one and it'll hold that edge for a much, much longer time. So just something that I, I go with so we now have talked about uh where you want to build your shelter shelter you're going to talk or potentially you're going to build we talked a little bit about sleep system we've talked about a little bit on tools that are must-haves and nice-to-haves um i guess lastly let's talk about like cooking and water treatment so we did mention cast iron kind of would be your best option in our opinions. Uh, if you don't have the luxury of getting stuff like that, once again, at a thrift store, very easily for a couple bucks, you can pick up like stainless steel cookware. Is it the best? Once again, no. Does it have some drawbacks, warps a little bit and high heat, things like that, but it's going to be better than cooking on a rock. I can guarantee you that. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Um, and, uh, my, uh, red bear taft tactical, he, he mentioned, uh, the apple juice can and i i don't know how many boil ups growing up this was a thing it's a huge thing back home as you go in with your little apple juice can with a piece of snare wire on it and you boil up you make your tea you cook your meal and that was a whole thing like we we had a camping trip almost based around an apple juice can it's surprising what you can do with an old can it's dirt cheap i mean you can pick them up literally like like dirt like you go ahead on garbage day and go down and you can steal one out of anyone's garbage like if you don't have anything else you can go to the grocery store for a buck something, buy that can with the juice in it, drink it, you got some calories there, and then you have a can that you can probably use for weeks before it fails. Uh, the thing is, it is relatively thin metal, and over time, it's going to rust and, and break down. It is lined with a piece of plastic now. I think there's a thin uh, coating on the inside that, that will break down. It's probably not a long-term solution but it's definitely going to get you through a few days. It's Easily replaced cool. solution too. If you're in and out, like you said, you can find them almost anywhere. Go out and recycling day. Uh, and I assume you're going to find some. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but once I got a couple of dollars, I would be looking for something more permanent. Uh, you're definitely going to get decent pots. I, uh, enamel coated pots, uh, are still pretty prevalent at a lot of our, our uh, thrift stores and stuff 
those will last quite a long time. And you, I mean, if you don't worry about shipping the enamel, or putting it in higher heat, then you're going to be fine. You're going to be able to cook, and, and uh, it'll be pretty nonstick. Um, and I guess the only thing I'll say on all of this is if you have the choice between a pot or a pan, personally, I'm, I'm going to take a pot over a pan because a frying pan, or sorry, a pot is a small frying pan at the bottom and then a container on the top. You know what I mean? You can still fry a fish in a pot. Uh, oh, yeah. Is it ideal? No. Is it edible? Yes. Uh, and the pot's going to serve multi uses because now you can make a soup, you can make teas. It's a container for carrying water. It's a container for boiling water, which we mentioned in this, if that's the only way you have of disinfecting and stuff like that. Um, and I guess to touch on that, if you are out and you are trying to survive off the water and the wild and things like that, at bare minimum, you should be boiling your water. You know what I mean? Like the, 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 the in Nova Scotia, honestly, with all the agriculture and stuff we got going, regardless of where you're at, there's very few places where you can just stick your head in, drink the water, and assume everything's going to be fine, in all honesty. And with, say, say like my ideal item, if I was going to find what I would be looking hard for is, is a de decent uh, Dutch oven, because the reality is the lid is my frying pan, and the main part is, is my pot, and I would cook that way oftentimes. Um but they say you can bake things. I could bake a loaf of bread in that thing. I could yeah. bake uh, I, my vegetables. I could, you know, and I would do everything to, because again, we're talking low resources. You want to get the most out of everything you have. So when you are cooking food, you're going to boil it. You're going to drink the broth because you don't want to lose that nutrition, that stuff out of, the, out, of the, out of the fluids and stuff. You're going to try to maximize everything because you're on a very limited resource. When you spend time to get things, you're going to make sure you, if you had to bake things, I know there's certain nuts and stuff that you eat up, you can, you make more edible. You can put that into the pot and just bury it in the coals, the fish, all kinds of meat. There's so much you can do with it. Uh, basically slow cook. Uh, I mean, you, you could make some awesome meals. Uh, no. And you made one real good point there that I guess, we'll touch on a little bit for food prep. If you are in a situation where you're trying to get the most out of everything, uh, boiling is going to become your friend uh, simply because as Ben said, you're going to a lot of things. Like if you fry a fish, you get to eat the flesh off the fish. You throw away the bones and stuff like that. If you boil the bones afterwards, you're going to pull, pull some nutrition out of that. So if you boil the whole fish, uh, not only can you eat the flesh off the fish, the broth that you drink afterwards is still going to have more nutrients in it than if you had, of, you know, just tossed the bones. And I mean, you can potentially grind those bones down. Boiling does become your friend to get a lot more of the nutrients and stuff out uh, off the foods you'd be potentially losing some of them out. It doesn't always make it the most appetizing. Uh, if you know what I mean, because some things do taste better if they're roasted or fried. And if you have the luxury, by all means, go for it. But if you were really, really like trying to, you know, take in every calorie you can and stuff like that, my experiences I have found boiling is a good way of getting as much out of something as you can. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, the, the big key concept, especially when it comes to water in Nova Scotia, anywhere, honestly, um, you have to minimum boil that water. And there's speculation as to how long you have to boil it. Some people say as soon as it hits, you know, a rolling boil, it's good to go. Some people say boil it for two minutes. Some people say boil it for five minutes. And I've even seen as much as boil for 10 minutes. Um, 
you can't overboil something. Uh, at most, you're going to lose some of your water to evaporation. So weigh out how much you're losing to evaporation to how long you want to uh, let it boil. So if you got like a one liter pot and you boil it so there's nothing left but a cup full of water, uh, maybe that's not the best, you know, way in, way out. But if you have a small container and you have to weigh like, you know, a cup, a steel cup or something like that, and you boil it and in 10 minutes time, half that cups or more is going to be gone. You know what I mean? So you're going to have to weigh some of that, do your research, make your own best decision on that. I don't even want to make a recommendation uh, because it, it's literally so up in the air. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I can tell you what, I, nah, I, I'm just going to leave it at that. I think though, if you're doing this stuff, like if you're going to try to process a lot of water that way, at some point you're going to be looking for like a stock pot and, it's, and a tool like that's not going to go astray either. And that's, that's something you could always have on the side of the fire. And, and, and the reality is you could be constantly keeping water hot. The fact is it might boil literally for hours and you just keep topping it up. Uh, but that would be a method I would probably eventually uh, consider. And I know when I had like cabins and stuff, we always kept a pot of water on the, on the, on the stove. Uh, and we used it for, for cooking, for, 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 uh, cleaning, for whatever. Like we, we just had a big pot there and we divvy it out. Um, so that's a method that can be used. You can modify that for a, a lean to shelter. Um, with time, even with moderate to no resources, you will acquire more things. You will add on to it. You will improve what you have. You'll be fine more stuff and you can replace the stuff you didn't that wasn't doing the job or doing the job well with stuff that can do it much better but to start off we've we've set up a pretty good basis i think that people could work from and, and grow on and that's that's it you don't need a ton of stuff you need you would you want a few tools but an axe the axe we talked about uh you can buy a five dollar used axe or just the, the head and with the file and a little bit of sandpaper, you can make that thing like new. Oh, for sure. And if you don't have, once again, we'll talk extreme here. You don't have the availability of any of that. You just had the five bucks for the ax head. You can put an edge on that with stones. You're going to find in the woods. Like it's going to take a little bit more time. It's going to take a little bit more effort. It's going to take a little bit more skill. Uh, somebody mentioned in the, the comments, information weighs nothing and it's cheap. You know what I mean? Uh, so learn everything you can. That's the big thing. Learn it now while you don't have to use it and hope you never have to use it. And then, But if you do need to use it, it's there. So so if there is one book you were going to purchase to take in with you, what would you get? Based on the knowledge I have now or based on knowing nothing? Either or. So based on the knowledge I have now, I would definitely pull in Wild Edibles in Nova Scotia or Wild Edibles of Eastern Canada, because uh, that is the one skill I am highly lacking in. I know enough. Like, don't get me wrong. I know some. I know more than the average Joe. I would not want to go into the woods and be like, I'm going to live off the land and buy nothing because chances are I would starve to death unless I got a good supply of fish, which is high in fats and stuff like that, because, um, you know, you can get protein poisoning off rabbits and stuff like that because everybody always thinks they're going to trap all these rabbits and there's there's multiple problems with just thinking you're going to eat nothing but rabbits but yeah wild edibles in nova scotia is something i would take in now and believe it or not one of the better books i read uh, i think it was called the sas survival guide it had a great coverage 
off a lot of basic skills and things like that. Hey, Red Bear Tactical came up with it as well. Uh, yeah, I actually have it on my nightstand, the SAS Survival Handbook. I, re I read it as a child, well, not a child, a teenager, I guess. And recently I had acquired a updated copy off it and still one of the better books um, I have read with a lot of basic skills in it. Is it the Holy Grail? Maybe not, but does it cover a ton of topics? Yes. And does it give you good, decent illustrations and, you know, kind of write it out in layman's terms? Yes. So I have both those books. And honestly, I, I, the edibles of, of Eastern Canada would be my choice, I think. Uh, I have the SAS one. I also have somewhere, I have to look for it. Down But Not Out, I think, is the Canadian Forces version of that same book. And it is full of good information. There are a ton of good books out there, but like you... I would be looking for one that can really tell me what the wild edibles are because there's so much information in that that I don't think anyone can have in their head. Maybe a few few people I've met maybe has most of it, but there are so many plants out there that are edible and some of them are really edible if treated in certain ways mm. and having that information and being able to refer back to it on a regular basis would be almost invaluable. Uh, Shelter building is great. Uh, all these other things are, are, are great, but uh, food is something you're going to be coming at back at day in and day out, and it changes season to season. Once you get a decent shelter, you're going to use that almost year-round. You're not going to have to do a lot of changes to it, but food is changing constantly, and, and knowing how to deal with those changes and, and taking advantage of what you find uh, is, is going to be invaluable. Um, these other books do tell you, like, look at what other animals are eating. That's giving you a good idea what's edible and what's not. But that's not a, a across the board always going to work, right? Certain animals are adapted to eat certain foods that we just can't. Uh, and that needs to be kept in mind. Yep. And no, that, that's exactly it, right? So I, I think we both agreed the wild edibles uh, is probably the, the no-brainer one. Um, but if I had to pick a survival book, like I said, SAS just happened to be the, the one I preferred. Red Bear Tactical seems to think about the same. And it seems really common. Um, in general, when you search survival books amongst uh, the survivalist community, prepper community, bushcrafting community, camping community, it comes up repeatedly. So, I mean, all these people can't be wrong. And the version I got, I think, is a pocket-sized one. It's awesome. It just it, you, you literally could keep it in your pocket. Yeah, mine's and, not. Mine's like the great big hard copy. Like it, it's the biggest version of this book I've ever seen. But uh, no, they, th those are two awesome books, and I think those are where that's sort of the thing. Like a, a, a few good books and a few good tools, I think, is going to get you absolutely everything that you absolutely need. Uh, from there, it's going to really help you. Um, so that if I had to had limited resources, that's where my money's going, and then everything else I'm going to try and make because with the tools and with the, the knowledge that you can you spent that a little bit of money on, I think it's at your biggest bang for your buck. And then, like I said, it's, as as time goes on, you're going to look at upgrade. Keep some money in this uh, big out bag. I think that's bug bug out bag or definitely bug out bag. Uh, no, it's that's the thing is is. We all probably, we can read them, we can research them, but when you're you're down and out, it's also entertainment. Because honestly, if you're in, in that situation, you're you're going to have downtime uh, eventually. It's it's not going to be a ton of it, but there are downtimes when you just can't get out. Yes, uh, Northern, Northern Bushcraft. Bushcraft. 
Kitsiansky. Uh, I'm not even going to try and say that last name. <laughs> that is a great book. It's very famous. It's also really big in, in the circles. Um, yes, mm. he's well known. Uh, so there's there is a ton of, of literature out there. And that's the stuff you're not going to necessarily just find like that. You may have to look, uh, but if I'm really down and out, I might even ch try going to the library and honestly just not return it. <laughs> We're not condoning stealing books from the library, but I mean, people in hard times, that's not the most desperate thing somebody can do. Honestly, you know what I mean? If, I, I, and I, I think you'd almost get forgiven eventually for that. Like they'd be like, okay, he was starving to death. He needed this to survive. Like, he was starving to death, and instead of reading the book, he ate it. <laughs> right. But you, you can go into a store and steal your food, and but you're gonna have to do that day in and day out. You're eventually gonna get caught. You go in and steal knowledge. Uh, that, that's with you forever. Like you're gonna be able to keep using. <laughs> yeah, because they'll never be able to find you to get the book back. <laughs> I love this hypothetical situation. It just It's so off the rails. Yeah, now we went from here's some serious stuff on how to build some shelters to steal the books. But it's I, I get it. I get it. I mean, we are type, talking hypothetical here. Desperate people do desperate things. Nothing's out of the realm of possibility when it comes to life and death. I mean, bottom line, honestly. But $25 book or $25 worth of food, which is going to really do you better? And that's just exactly it. Steal the book, buy the food. Because you probably have less chance of getting stolen, checking the book out and not returning it, than you do of walking out of the supermarket with $25 worth of food stuffed under your coat. $25 of food? You can fit that in your pocket, buddy. Have you been to a grocery store in a while? Yeah, I know. I was being hopeful. But no, it's I, I true. I couldn't pick up $100 worth of food. Now I can carry it in one hand. I was about to say, <laughs> I went and bought $200 worth of groceries the other day, and I carried it literally in bags. Like, I didn't need a shopping cart. It was absolutely just discouraging beyond any conceivable. I got PDFs from the interwebs. That's a good way too, but we're assuming you're in the woods and you don't have, uh, well, you know what? Funny enough. I knew somebody that lived in the woods for the summer, still had a laptop. <laughs> so you never know. Well, in this day and age, it's, it's almost more important than anything else. Like that, that ability to communicate and get get to things, uh, it makes a huge difference. I, there are homeless people that still have cell phone plans. And people complain about it, but the reality is... That's a lifeline in a lot of things, you know what I mean? It's a cell phone, being what it is, yeah, it has a huge value to it. Um, from a bushcrafting point, we've talked about this before. It's, it's your navigation, it's your knowledge, it's all these things. Uh, if you're down really far, if you've lost your cell phone, the things you've lost out on, the ability to contact government services, get get medical help, get apply for a job. Like the, once you lose that, getting out of that hole is infinitely harder. And that's the thing. Even without a plan, 911 generally works. Actually, I think it's required to work on all phones as long as you have cell service. So, I mean, worst case scenario, if something happened to you, you still have a way of getting help. So, uh, in that case, like an old cell phone, you can get an old cell phone and some kind of solar cha charger so you can charge it up. 
uh, you can have a ton of, of ability with you. Um, uh, Red Bear just threw in there. Uh, he keeps an old, I mean, his iPhone, so I'm not sure how good it is. But <laughs> in a bucket we won't backup, hold that against him. Uh, but I have now, I have a backup phone. And this was one of the things, like I looked at spending money on buying a new GPS because mine broke. Uh, but the reality is, my cell phone worked almost as good as my GPS ever did. I can download two or three GPS apps. I can download the maps. I can download the PDFs of a whole bunch of these uh, survival manuals and stuff. I can download so much stuff and put on my phone. I can set it up. And I have so many options. It, it is a very valuable tool. And in, the, in that case, I consider it one of the more valuable tools I take in the woods every time. No. Completely agree. Um, so we are coming up on our hour and 10 minute um, kind of limit here. And something I've been rolling around in my head. And you know what would be really fun to try this summer? Sure. You see, you see a lot of these like uh, dollar store challenges and stuff like that. I dare say that you and I will try and do a $30 challenge where we take $30. $30. You take 15, I'll take 15. We can use whatever's available to us in our areas, but we can't use any, like, like I, I'm trying to think of how to word this. I don't want to say like the hobo challenge, cause that sounds terrible, but I mean, let's try and strip it back to the point where let's pretend this happened. You know, everything went belly up. We're going to go so to the woods. We camping together or separate? Well, if we're going to go separate, then I say we do $30 a piece. If we're going to do together, then I say we do $15 each and we can right. coordinate between us. Yeah, I think we do that one. I, that's um, where I'm at, in all honesty, because I I think that'd be a little safer for us. And we'll re I think it'd make a great video. We'll record the whole process, and I'm even to the point where I'll try and hitch, like, I'll try to hitchhike to where I'm going to stay instead of using my own vehicle. I, I know that my wife has, has recommended I try this for quite a while, so speaking over at her, because she, she tried <laughs> to challenge me to do that before. So this is definitely something I'm game for. Hermit wow. challenge. Thank you, RBT. That's a way better name instead of the hobo challenge. But, uh, yeah, no, I think it'd be a neat idea. I've wanted to do something like this, but I've never really bought into like the $20 dollar store challenge or the $30 Walmart. I guess it's like the $50 Walmart challenge. I'm cause I don't know. It, it, it always, I, I don't have anything against every, anybody that did that, but they're always going in with the assumption that, they're just there to last a night. You know what I mean? I'm more in the mentality. Let's see if we can actually set ourselves up. Not that we have to stay that long, but let's, let's literally put our heads together. See if we can get the basic tools we need that would help set us up in the woods for a long-term haul. So we're going to try and get our three cutting devices, uh, an axe, a saw, and a knife. We'll try and get ourselves some sort of cooking device, be it, uh, you know, a pot or whatever the, the heck like that. And we'll try and find some sort of sleeping device, be it some blankets, like whatever we can do. Because I don't imagine on 30 bucks, and we'll have to actually look at this price to see if it's realistic. Because, I mean, maybe maybe we're being unrealistic with this. I, I guarantee you I'm going to start hitting flea markets a lot more to track the prices of things. But that's the thing. Let's have no pre-prep, no nothing. Just basically, so, there's another challenge on here is the EDC challenge, um, and and I do want to do that. That one I'd have to do in the summer. Th th yes, yeah. 
this fifteen thirty dollar one I could potentially do almost any time of year. I would just have to really be careful with what I do. Uh, EDC, I just don't carry enough. Uh, like the shelter would be the, the tricky thing. Uh, and I have a lot little... of requirements right now because of COVID. Uh, stuff I can't wear every day that I normally used to wear every day. Like you don't see my paracord bracelet on well, this side, I guess, because I can't wear that. Uh, due to my work, it's considered a um, an area that could potentially hold. Like, yeah, th there's a whole bunch of challenges we could do, and I. It might be fun to try and peg some of these off over the over the summer. I I would definitely say we should do it over the summer, um, just because this could all go horribly wrong. But <laughs> and we do preach safety, so we got to practice what we preach. Uh, well, tr the only exception is we'll have some sort of backup. You know what I mean? Like if if we need a bailout. We'll have to have some sort of bailout. Uh, do not do live naked and afraid challenge. Well, there went all. I was going to do all of these naked and afraid stuff. <laughs> but no, uh, that that would be my only stipulation. If we do start, I would love to tr like try a bunch of these different challenges. Um, my only stipulation on all this, and I think Ben would agree, but for you guys out there listening, is that we would have a bailout option. If something went desperately wrong, we would still have a means of contacting somebody to get us out because uh, we don't want to endanger ourselves. So, I mean, like, if we're out there and somebody falls and breaks a leg, uh, as much as I'd like to say I don't mind carrying Ben out or Ben doesn't mind carrying me out, the reality is that puts too much risk to the other person. You know what I mean? So that would be my only. I agreed. Um We've always been this way. There has to be a level of safety. Um, I don't mind the concept of having like a safety bag and a vehicle within a reasonable distance of where we're doing it. That's that just makes sense to me. But we could definitely hit various locations that we're both aware of and and drop the vehicle off, hike in a ways and go with just the stuff we picked up from uh, a thrift store or a dollar store or Walmart. Uh, maybe a combination thereof to, to get the, the most bang for our buck. Um, Naked and ashamed. Oh, buddy. <laughs> buddy I got nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> uh, Naked and living life large. But um, <laughs> no, I, I think it would actually be a fun little thing for us to maybe try and do some of these challenges over the summer. I mean, we've been looking for reasons to go out together more. The reality is we kind of hit the peak of um, the gear that we're going to be purchasing and testing aside from, you know, like we're, we're going to start developing higher end gear. Uh, you know what I mean? Cause we each already have decent sleeping bags. We each both have decent hammock setups. We both already have decent, uh, tent setups, sleeping mats, stuff like that. So all we're going to do is basically be building on the stuff we already have, but it would be really interesting to potentially get back to basics. Um, and of course, at the end of this, trying to go with the, uh, the, the other stipulation I may look for this is I may try and talk to people that I know the landowners, uh, because doing a challenge like this, we are probably going to have to start cutting into some wood and stuff like that. And I, I, I don't really want to go out in crown land and start butchering trees and stuff like that. If I can get away with it, but I do know a handful of people in my local area and I'm sure, you know, some too, they have areas where they're going to go in and cut anyway. And we'll try and hit areas like that, that if we go in and we do a little bit of cutting down of trees and stuff, no harm, no foul, because they're going in to basically cut it out for homes or stump each or whatever the case may be. So th those would be really my only two things I would want to put in on this. But I, I think it sounds like a fun idea if you're on board. 
I honestly, uh, I know a lot of spots where we could just do it with the standing dead. Um, and that's fine too. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I definitely be up for, for some of these. Uh, and I, and I think it's an interesting challenge and honestly, to me, it's, it's got a lot more value. Like I love just general camping and I love having a good gear. And especially when I go with, with my family and stuff, I want them to be comfortable and stuff, but I, I don't, I don't mind challenging myself. So it, it would be great. Um, and, uh, I would even be willing to, to consider doing it maybe before the flies get too bad. If, it, if at all possible, if the time allots, I know I have a few other things going or later in the fall. So we can push this into the solar seasons also. Hmm. But uh, and this is all still going to be like, <sighs> we, COVID looks like it's getting better. I don't want to jinx that in any way, shape or form. So providing something doesn't relapse there and screw everything up as well. Yeah. A canteen, a knife and a sleeping bag. See with a canteen, a knife and a sleeping bag, I could do a lot. The number one thing that's running through my head here is sleeping is going to be the bugger of all of this. I know it is. <laughs> Big thing for me, uh, summer months is flies. As long as I keep flies off me, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, so there's, there, there is that, but yeah, no, I mean, if, if they were still available, the old fashioned, uh, Rambo night one would have been an interesting challenge man we can get those at my flea market or they used to have them i haven't been to the flea market in like a year now but it's back open it's doing its thing i don't know what the capacities and stuff like that are but as the vaccination uh, vaccines and vaccinations whatever start coming around they're starting to up the numbers so once that gets back up to where i figure the knife dealers and stuff are going to be back in there i will go in and see if i can find us one of those knives because i do know they come with uh it's like two fish hooks maybe 15 meters of really crappy fishing line in them some squeeze weights a couple matches i think uh the occasional one had one of those stupid wire saws in them i mean yep. it could be fun but i can guarantee you i'm gonna take that saw and drill it right into the woods for it. i even take it out of the package how <laughs> <laughs> you trying to say no not taking the bus right <laughs> plastic okay, so. oh okay yeah, we've definitely uh, pushed our uh, our uh, time into our hour and a half now. I think so. Uh, we yeah, we'll let go. This this is obviously the type of things that we really want to get into uh, again because we do enjoy it. So uh, I hope you guys all enjoyed this. Uh, and I, I'll let you uh, say your piece. Oh, sorry, I kind of zoned out reading comments. So I apologize. Um, yeah. I think we have a good plan going forward to get us out in the woods, which is what we were looking for. Uh, I really enjoyed doing this this episode. As Ben said, this is kind of back to our roots, the basics, as we said. I uh, We both enjoy doing this kind of stuff. So what did you guys think? As always, let us know. We're reading your comments. If we missed some, I apologize. Um, and, I mean, you can get a hold of us on Facebook, YouTube, email, everything out there. There's tons of stuff you can get a hold of us. Let us know your ideas. If you have an idea for a challenge uh, or something like that, shoot it to us. We'll try and make a list. And the ones that sound reasonable to us, and by reasonable I mean it's not like, you know, the naked and afraid and all you get is a spork kind of challenge. Uh, that might not be reasonable at this time. <laughs> But I mean, if it seems like a decent idea, we like to bring things back to reality instead of extreme unrealness. 
but I mean like a, a survival kit challenge. I've seen that. Uh, we're talking about like the $30 challenge here, the thrift store challenge, stuff like that. That's great because these are things that could potentially happen. There's a basis of reality. We can get into that. And if you like this episode and you want us to do more of this kind of episode, you got to let us know that too. Like we want to know what you guys want us to talk about. Uh, ben and I, as you know, can basically get on here and yap about anything for any amount of time. We love to chat. We love hearing from you guys. We love chatting with you guys. So the more information and feedback you can give us, that's the best. And as always, uh, there's a lot of great YouTubers on our chat here. There's so many of them that showed up here tonight. I can't give a shout out to all of them. But I mean, we got like Red Bear Tactical there, Real Big Monkey 1, which is Dave, which this episode um, had a strong influence from one of his previous videos, as Ben said. Uh, we got Danny Swan. We got Scott. We got, you know... Uh, I seen Alex up there, Troy up there. There's a there, there's a good number of people there. If you have the chance and you're listening to this on our podcast side of things, and you haven't had the chance to jump over and check out the YouTube videos, uh, definitely give it a go. I mean, if you're bored, uh, it, it, the video itself of just Ben and I staring at each other talking may not be the most interesting thing on the planet, but a lot of the comments that we have showing up, uh, you can pull a lot of great information out of there. We don't have, unfortunately, we don't get to all of them. Uh, we do read them. We try to mention people, but I mean, there's a ton of hidden information that you're missing potentially by not at least checking out the YouTube channel. Um, and I know shameless plug, but I mean, that, that, that's really the case. A lot of great YouTubers show up sometimes and drop their two cents in. And I mean, you can, it, it's just a chain of events. You know what I mean? You'll find somebody you like that'll lead to somebody you like to lead to somebody you like. And that's what this is all about. Uh, so that's my spiel. Yes. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, it was a lot. It was long-winded. There, there's a lot in there, a lot to unpack. Uh, yeah. Um, the only thing I want to throw, sort of throw out is there's a lot of great people out there. A lot of people I would love to maybe uh, meet in person or meet again. Uh, if there's ever the opportunity, I'd love to camp with some of you guys and and just so just know that that that's a potential out there when COVID ends and travel opens up if, if the opportunities come up we may be open to meeting with some of you guys and, and sharing one of these challenges and hopefully like the the uh, the gatherings and stuff get back to I, I keep pointing over there like i still got the banner but realistically it's rolled up and over there uh, but yeah maybe some of the gatherings like the the nova scotia bushcraft gathering then there's the east coast gathering then there's uh there, there's a half a dozen gatherings i've learned now if those open back up definitely we, we'd like to get back into the fray of visiting uh, as long as it's done safely and stuff like that. So hopefully we see some of you guys out there and gals. Have a good night, everybody. Later on.